If you have a picture, a thought, scripture, a word, just come to the microphone. Remember to come to the microphone. Verna, Verna, can you come to the microphone? Thank you. It's for the people at home. I'm not asking for a word, but all I could feel was absolute comfort when she was speaking. Absolute comfort in the Lord. Mm. That's worth something. It's better than absolute upset. God's timing, beautiful, comfort, a sense of God's timing, that's what will give comfort. Anything else? Just come to the mic there, there you go. Come to the microphone. Jesus is near. Standing on heat, and you want to believe it. Thank you, Hazel. Standing on God's promises. Two words. Pay attention. Yes. You don't know how important that is today. Heaven. It was so good to come back to the house of the Lord again. Mm. It is so good to us, but it makes us so happy that God's still even happier. Yes. He is very pleased. Mm. Praise God. Mm. Okay, Margaret.
Amen. Got that right. Come on up, Jerry. The Lord's been speaking and working painfully for me. I have conquered for you. I have given all of my all to you. Be be fearless. Do not be fearful, but I am with you in all things. Either I am with you or I am not with you. You choose, but know my word is being attacked today, and my word is the word. There is nothing on the earth, in the earth, or under the earth like my word. Lean on my word and go conquering, for I have given you, I have given you, I have given you dominion over all principalities and powers and the enemy. Remember, I will bring you into a place where you will conquer if you will trust in me and trust my word and throw out your fear. Fear is not of God. I have not given you the spirit of fear. Therefore, look to the Lord. I have given you the words to say you may cast out demons. You can tread upon serpents and scorpions, and you will go in my name. That's what the Lord is saying to us. Thank you, Jerry. Giving the word peace. My peace I leave with you. My peace I leave with you. Mm. I give you my peace because I am the Prince of Peace. Yes. Thank you, Bill. George. God has been giving me the past three to four months great peace. When I go into my bed at night, I sense just the peace of God coming over me. And that one thing I've been praying for, it's been a lot of attacks of the enemy, but I prayed and asked God for peace, complete peace. And I thank God for it this morning because he's been giving me great peace and great joy. That's worth something. Peace again. Yeah. 
Ich freue mich so. Ich bin fertig. Wie ich auch habe, die Götter Karos von unserem Kindstab entfernt. Ich küsse schon wieder schnellen Wasser. Da schaut mir auf die Erträge sich Erebein aus. Nuli Erebus lies bei dir. Nur für die Kastelung der Wasser tun wir gar nichts mehr für die Protection der Rüstung und Münze. A thousand shall fall at his side and ten thousand at the right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only the sun I shall not behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my witness, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee in keeping in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up with their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shall thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore... For I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall come upon me and I shall answer him. I will, I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. So this is a psalm that has been read through the centuries. Can you imagine the circumstances that people have reached out with that song? Circumstances they've been in? Much worse than what we're in. Roseanne, do you feel what you were sensing as you spoke that has been spoken? Or do you feel there's more? you're saying we should pray for the congregation okay we can do that that's can you do that come to the microphone please serve a God who knows all about us. We serve a God who's able to deliver. We serve a God who's able to heal. We serve a God who knows everything that's going on. We serve a God who is demanding trust and faith from us. We serve a God who loves us. We, we serve a God who knows our, our rising, our sitting down, our coming in, our going out. We serve a God who is able to cause the sun to stop if necessary. We serve a God who is able to part the waters if it's necessary, to bring water out of the rocks if necessary. We serve a God who's given his angels charge over us. We serve a God who has sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. We serve a God who knows about our fears, and as it has been spoken, fear is not from God. 
He feels that God may want us to give our whole lives, our hearts and our minds and our spirits and our souls unto him. He feels a God who will purchase seeds for us. He feels a God who will do anything for us. He feels a God who, who is keeping us, for we are not keeping ourselves. Amen. He feels a God that we should love in return. And yes, we may be going through trials and tribulations. Yes, there may be some fears about this uh, pandemic that's going on. But God is in control. God, you are in control of everything. You are in control of our lives. And Father, for the body of Christ, God, we humble ourselves before you this day, and we say thank you, God. We say we love you, God. We ask, Lord, that you forgive us of any sins, any wrong thoughts, anything, God, that we humble ourselves before you, and we put ourselves in your altar, Father God. Lord, that you would take the keys of our life, the wheels of our life, Father God. Continue to transform us, Lord. Continue, Lord, to take us to the place, Lord, that you have for us. It has been spoken, Lord, you've given us power over the enemy, power over scorpions power over things father god and lord if if we if we don't know what the things are god we turn to you lord for who you are the author and the finisher of our faith and so father today we just come before you and we thank you god that the doors have been opened again father that we can meet god that we can meet in your house father god where your angels are dispatched where your power and your authority and your healing virtues are here father god in the name of jesus and so father we thank you We praise you today, God, for who you are. It is because of who you are, God, that we are saved, that we are here today, God. And we give ourselves again to you, Father God, that, Lord, you would lead us in the path that we need to be led heading. And, Father, right now, just feel to pray for Keith, Lord, Pastor Keith, Father, in the name of Jesus, that, God, that you will strengthen him, Father, in Jesus' name, that, God, he's your servant, he is your son, he is our pastor, God, and that, Lord God, that you would keep your hand upon him, Father God, that you would deliver him, Lord, from anything that needs to be delivered, Father, that you would strengthen him in the inner man, that light, that power, that authority, that gifting that is in him, Father, you have put it there, God, in Jesus' name. We come against the attacks of the enemy that has uh, plagued his house, and plague him, Father, in the name of Jesus, and the attacks of the enemy that may have come over the body of Christ. We come against it in Jesus' name. We stand on the word of God. We stand in power. We stand in authority, God, that you have given us, Lord. And strengthen Brother Keith, Father, this day, Lord, and cause him, Lord, to know his path. Cause him to know, Lord, where you have him to be, God, in Jesus' name, and to not to neglect the gift that is in him. So, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Roseanne. You know, we we believe that God uh, speaks in many ways. I've said this a thousand times. And I just think it's so important that we allow God to speak in whatever way he wants to, not just through a sermon, but through singing and through words that have been given and thoughts and pictures. And it just gives us the whole picture. There's a lot of gratitude here this morning, uh, as there should be. It's been very rough. This this shutdown seemed particularly difficult. It seemed to really take a bite, uh, where the other ones, you know, it was almost novel. It was like camping or something. Um, well, this one wasn't like camping. This one was like being in prison. And so, uh, you know, we're just thankful. I am thankful. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about where I've been in the last 11 months and am still dealing with and still going on. But I will tell you, the fact that I am able to stand here this morning, thank you. It is miraculous. 
I want to talk about being in the storm. And uh, I think I've got a title slide. Yeah, I do. There it is. It's trusting God in the storm. And I am not speaking from any perspective of perfection in this. Trust me. For those who have walked closely with me over the last 11 months will know that there has been nothing perfected about my walking in this storm. Um, but I, I want to re reference a piece of scripture. One day Jesus said to his disciples, this is Luke chapter 8, 22 to 25. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So that was not a suggestion by Jesus. That was a intended purpose that he had. We're going to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and started out. And as they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filled with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And I was at the Sea of Galilee and they had one of the boats from the first century that would have been used. And they aren't that big. Um, so it would have been it would have been pretty scary because that's a big body of water. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. And that's okay, because sometimes we're terrified and we're amazed. And that's okay. Can I say it again? The disciples were terrified and amazed. And who is this man, they asked each other, when he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. The beautiful thing about this is, first of all, that Jesus didn't remove them from discipleship because they didn't have any faith. And the faith that he was talking about was not necessarily the faith for them to stand up and change the circumstance. That's not, I don't, I don't think that's what Jesus was getting at. What he was getting at is trusting that they were with him and he was going to get them to the other side. Because he certainly trusted his father because he was asleep. And he was trusting that whatever is going to happen, his father's going to take care of it. So I'm just going to lay down and have a nap here. I don't know where you are in that process of trust and faith. I've got a long way to go, come to find out. And sometimes it's very hard to have that kind of faith in the middle of, of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. S a storm like this has come into my life in the last 11 months. And in September of last, there was a triggering agent and something that I had not experienced since 2009, I thought it was behind me, reemerged. And I've had fi five other boats of it during my adult life from the age of 24 onward. And they usually last two to three months. This one has lasted right up until today, um, which tells me that obviously God is doing something different in the way he's dealing with it. And, and there's more work coming into it about what it is. I'm not going to get into the details about all of the medical stuff, but it's something called complex PTSD. I know everybody has PTSD now, and I don't, I don't belittle that. I don't belittle that because there is, there is very real trauma that people have experienced in their life, and because of it, they are having experiences in their adult life that they don't understand, and they need to have therapy and, and counsel and spiritual input to figure out what all that is. But over this 11 months, I've discovered that that's what it is. And my, uh, my childhood was not easy. I saw from the day I was born until the age of 14, 
horrible violence done to my mother by my father. And when you live in that as a child and you can't get out of that and you can't stop that and you can't do anything about that, the child has trauma. And when you are exposed to that over a prolonged period of time, it entrenches things in you, fears and anxieties and misgivings and doubts and mistrust and all kinds of things to people that you should trust, which are your parents. Well, when you grow up and all of a sudden, for some reason, that's triggered, guess what? You become that little child again. All the feelings and all of the emotions. And there's nothing pretty about it, let me tell you. And when you take a child who is supposed to have the parent, the loving parent, teach them how to trust, how to believe they're safe, how to know that they exist and they're loved and they're cared for when none of that happens, when actually the opposite happens, when you are seeing grotesque violence and stuff being done by the people that are supposed to teach you how to be safe, when that opens up as, in, as an adult, that automatically turns to God. And you're going to trust God? I don't think so. You're going to have a hard time. All of a sudden, your structures and your foundations start falling apart. Such is the case. And I've spoken to psychologists and psychiatrists, and I've been through the whole gauntlet of it, and still, still going through that, and thankful for it. Because sometimes we need help untangling things. But most of all, we need God. Most of all, we need the spiritual foundation that says that you are not alone. That God is with you in the storm. It may very well seem like Jesus is asleep. Trust me. I've woken a lot of people up over the last 11 months and saying, where's God in this? And we would have a conversation and then you'd calm down and you'd get going again. But sometimes it does seem, and just like those disciples, it's not an uncommon situation. Jesus put them in this situation. He's the one who said, I'm go we're going across the lake. He's the one. I don't know if he knew the storm was coming or not. But we do know that Jesus knew some things ahead of time. Other things he didn't. But maybe he knew. And he went to sleep. And he stayed asleep. And it caused those disciples to be in a case of saying, God's not awake. Jesus isn't awake. He's not helping us. He's not here. Why isn't he here? <laughs> and Jesus wakes up and says, will you take it easy? Will you just calm down? I said we're going to the other side of the lake. We're going to the other side of the lake. But these microcosms are little things that tell us something. Another one of those is Easter Saturday. Easter Saturday is a very significant time. And we don't pay a lot of attention to Easter Saturday. And I think we should pay a lot of attention to Easter Saturday. Because when we're in a storm... It's Easter Saturday. On Good Friday, Jesus was there. And as confounding as it was that Jesus would die, at least he was there. And the disciples were looking at him. And then all of a sudden, he dies. Well, what are they thinking on Saturday morning? They didn't know Sunday morning was coming. They didn't know Easter was coming. They didn't know any of that. All they knew is that the person that they had put their whole trust in for the last three years just 
die. And they don't know where he is. They don't know what's going on. They're saying, did we believe in error? Was everything I believed wrong? Did we get something wrong here? Was the message wrong? And we say, well, we'd never think that. Well, absolutely, we will think that. When you're in the middle of a storm and you don't know where God is because all the ways that God usually shows up in your life is not there anymore. That's when you need to find something to hold on to. And God came down and those two boys going to on the road to Emmaus showed us the very state that we can get into on that Saturday. When you have a Saturday in your life. And Jesus came alongside them and he encouraged them because they had thought everything was gone. And there's many times that you and I can think everything is gone. There's many times in this pandemic, and you've heard all of it, that everything is, when now we're talking about variants, and we're talking, and then all the conspiracy stuff, and then all the craziness that's going on. You can get very, very lost in it. But Jesus came along, and what did he remind them of? He reminded them of where Scripture spoke of him, about him. And that, no, 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 this had to happen. Oh, no, 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 this is okay. And I can guarantee you that whatever is happening in your life and what was happening in mine, and it is very, 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 very hard sometimes to square it up. But God knows what's happening, and it has to happen for some reason that we may not even know until we get to heaven. We may not have the answers. And we don't have to always have to have the answers, but we do have to have trust. And we do have to have trust that God is in control and that God is doing something. And in the midst of this crazy pandemic and in the midst of all the craziness that's going on in the world, trust me, there's a divine purpose going on. And it may be going to a difficult, you know, I'll say it because I believe it. I know there's a, a desire in us to get back to normal and get back to happy times and get back to believing for great things, and we should be doing that. But I'm telling you that the church is going in a direction where there's going to be far more of what we've just gone through than returning to the happy prosperity days of whenever it was that we used to think that everything is just going to bounce up roses. We are coming into the end times. We are coming into a time, everybody, when we look at the power of the early church, when we look at what they were doing, raising people from the dead, people were being healed, there was all kinds of miraculous things going on. Well, the early church was empowered to do two things. It was empowered to bring the power of God to earth, and it was also gifted and empowered with the ability to suffer. You can't have one without the other. And so as we see what's coming down the pike for the church and for the Christian faith, the conservative Christian faith, I'm not talking about Christian faith that just believes everything's okay and away you go but I'm talking about conservative Christian faith that adheres to a scriptural perspective on salvation and life and behavior. I'm telling you, it's going to cost something. This is just a little bit of a learning. This is just a little bit of a getting used to that's going on. But the thing is, in the middle of it all, we have to remember who is in the boat with us. Jesus is in the boat with us. He's in the storm with us. And I, I, listen, I know how hard it is. 
I know, I know how difficult it is to believe that sometimes when things are going so far left, you can't see right anymore. But God is saying to us that we're going to get to the other side. And that other side may be heaven. That may be all we have left to hope for because everything else is taken. Or it may be that great breakthrough in your life or that great breakthrough in your family or that great breakthrough in healing. God is still in that business. He's still doing that. But I believe that more than anything else, we need to learn how to have stamina in the midst of the storm because there's more storms coming. It would just be, and that's not negative because you know what Jesus said, when this happens, look up. For your redemption draws nigh. He doesn't say walk around all depressed because we can't have happy dancing sermon church anymore. He's saying, no, this, these are the birth pangs. This is what y'all been waiting for. This is the birthing of the coming of, this, uh, of Jesus. So don't get upset. Don't get all down because we're not, you know, believing for every promise to come true every day. No, to look up and expect that this is the day. This is the day. Some of the ways God spoke to me during these um, 11 months were pretty, uh, were pretty profound, actually. Uh, the first one, um, trust me, I, I have gone through every kind of spiritual process <laughs> uh, in the last 11 months. And... Um, we were having a session, and I've, I've been with spiritual advisors who are mature and who uh, have deal with spiritual issues with us as Christians. If we think that the enemy cannot inhabit parts and pieces of our personality and our, our existence as Christians, then you are being duped. It's almost as dangerous as believing that there is no devil. And there are times that you have to deal with that specific element. So I was in a session where we were doing that. And um, at one point, the, there were four pastors there with me. And at one point, the pastor said to me, he said, um, Keith, you prophesy over people, correct? I said, yes, that's true. I said, I've done it most of my ministry. And he said, what I want you to do, because we're trying to find out what's going on. We're trying to find out, oh God, what is this? What, what's happening here? And some of you know this story, but I said, yeah, I prophesied. He said, I want you to pray for Pastor Adam as if he is you. I said, okay, I can do that. So I take his hands, and as always happens, I instantly start getting pictures. And the first picture I get is of this young boy, and he is in this dry, arid, just so desolate a place. There's nothing green, no grass. The trees have no leaves. There's nothing. And the boy is between somewhere between the ages of 6 and 10 or 11. I understand it as me. And beside him is someone who I understand is Jesus. I have a sense this is Jesus. And Jesus is taking him under the stomach and lifting him and heaving him forward because the kid is so weak he can't even move himself. If you could have seen some of the states that I was in and some of the situations, and when you think of a child who has gone through horrific, horrific things 
that is a beautiful picture of what that looks like. The next thing I see is this great wall, huge wall, like a castle wall. And then another picture comes, and in the wall is this passageway. It's just like, uh, like you're in a castle, you know, they have those round passageways. It didn't have a door or anything. And then the next picture I see on the other side, I'm on the other side of this wall, but I'm a grown adult. And I got my hands in the air celebrating, and Jesus is beside me. He's got his arm on my shoulder, and he's kind of releasing me into this beautiful place that has color and birds and ocean and trees, and it's just beautiful. And in the distance are some people. And I have a sense that I, they've been waiting for me to tell them something. And then it's over. The, the picture is over. I'm crying. Adam's crying. The other pastor's crying. We're all crying. It's a beautiful picture. It's a prophetic word about the future. So I go home and I talk to a friend of mine who's in Ottawa and I'm telling her about this, this whole thing in this passageway which kind of says there is a way from this destitute, terrible place into this place of health and strength and vitality. So she says, that's amazing. So that night she's going to visit her pastor and she gets to her pastor's house, and her pastor is a painter and a sculptor. And she says to Courtney, she says, oh, Courtney, I want to show you the uh, new thing that I'm working on, and it's this thing right here. You can show it, Liz. That's the picture. Now, I don't know what kind of faith you have. I don't know what kind of a belief you have. But to me, that is what we call a confirmation. That is God saying, Keith, what you saw on that wall was not a mistake. That Courtney that night would go and her pastor would coincidentally be an artist and coincidentally be drawing something and coincidentally be drawing exactly what I saw. That's exactly what it looked like in that wall. God is saying, Keith, no, there is a way through. There's a way through. And we need those. We need those little, don't worry, you're going to get through. It, um, another thing came to me. A picture of, uh, and I'll tell you when to pull that slide up, Liz. A picture of God's army. I saw this around January. I was in bad, bad shape. And what I saw was this tremendous, glorious, glorious marching army. And you can show that, Liz. This is the closest I could come to it. I found this picture. That, they looked like that, and they were all in a row about that, that wide, and they were marching gloriously down uh, off into out of my sight, and they were glowing. It was like gold glowing. And I said, what is that? And God said, that's my church. That's my, my royal, powerful, glorious church marching. And then my, my view went to the side. On either side of this glorious army, there were all the, it was dark, and there were all these bodies laying along the side of the road. And in, in the middle of this darkness, in the, and they were all just all curled up on each other and just limp and just laying like they were almost dead. So weak, they couldn't move. And in the middle of it, 
I see Jesus. He's on the sidelines. He's not in the big marching army, the glorious. He's off to the side. And as he would touch somebody, light would come into them. And I could see light coming into them. And then they would stand up. And then they would start walking. And he would go and touch them. And I said, Lord, what's that? He said, those are wounded Christian soldiers. Those are the Christians who have been weakened by whatever they've gone through, whether it be some mental health issue, whether it be some kind of persecution, whether it be some kind of a demonic attack, whether whatever it is, but they just got wounded. And sometimes the glorious marching church who wants the promises, all the promises, and that's all they think about, just the promises and being this powerful going church, forget that there are some wounded soldiers. And that's where Jesus was. That's where he was. Somehow we have to combine the wonderful, glorious promises of God and wanting to be that strong and powerful and positive church with the reality that there are broken, needful people and that we can't just walk by. It was such a beautiful picture, and it brought tears to me when I was looking at it. And it's a real call that says Jesus is with the broken, and Jesus is with you, and he's with me. And sometimes we are laying on the side of the road. I've laid on the side of the road, and I know what that looks like. I know what it looks like to sit back there and watch the church go by doing what I want to do, doing what I feel I should be doing, watching. You don't know how many times I see th things happening and uh, listening to pastors' calls and uh, conference calls that I'm on on a weekly basis, and they're talking about all the stuff they're doing in their church and all the stuff that's going on, and I'm sitting there broken, and I can't even, I can't even conceive it. I know what it's like to be in that position, and I'm still there. God is touching me. He's putting light in me. But we're going on, baby. We're going on, and you're going on, and we're going to go on because the gates of hell will not stand against the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said something very powerful. He said, all power and authority has been given unto me. And guess who he gave that to? The church. That's you and I. And then he said he followed it up, and I think it's Matthew 11. He follows it up, and he says, whatever you bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose will be loosed on earth and loosed in heaven. Now, that is a different word than rebuke, isn't it? Nah, we have no business rebuking the devil. That's God's business. Even the angels said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The angels didn't do it. But we are able to bind. And when we are in situations where before you pray, you should be binding down spirits that would try to come and, and interfere and try to do it. Yeah, absolutely. You should be doing that kind of stuff. But nonetheless, the point is that God is with us. And he is going to continue being with us. And finally, something else I want to share with you. Um, about a, a month and a half ago, uh, I was praying. And uh, I got to tell you, it wasn't until Easter Sunday. God touched me on Easter Sunday. I had not been able to really pray from probably easily November sometime through until Easter Sunday. I just couldn't. 
the spiritual warfare was so strong and it was so consistent that I couldn't. And I would just say, Jesus, you're with me. God, you're with me. I'd take scriptures out and I'd read them over and over and over again. They just bang, bang, boom, bounce off. But I said, no, it's the word of God. It's true. It's true. It's true. I was uh, kneeling and praying and I said, it's just in a state. And I said, God, I've got to hear from you. I've got to hear from you. And all of a sudden it got very quiet. Do you know how that happens? It just gets really quiet and very still. And I heard three things. Jesus, it's as if he was kneeling right down and speaking into my ear. And he said three or four times, he said, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. And it had a sense to it, Keith. This does not mean that tomorrow you're going to get up and do a Broadway musical and sing and dance and go down, you know. It's not going to be a boulevard of green lights all of a sudden. But he said, I am with you. I am with you. Then I heard something different, and it sounded, and I don't know how to make this, how I knew this differentiation, but it was the Father. And he said, the word of God, and it was firm. It wasn't like a, an encouragement. It was a, now listen to me, boy. The word of God is your strength. It is your protection, and it is your truth. That's it. And he said it again two or three times. And it was like, okay, don't trust feelings. Now, this is something we as charismatic Christians are all about the ooey-gooey. And that's okay. It's okay to get a sense or a feeling or something. That's absolutely, absolutely. And God did it here this morning. You get a sense of something or something. But I'll tell you, it is when, when hard stuff comes, it is the word of God. It's the word of God that's going to be the final authority. I feel like I have been abandoned, disconnected, that I'm completely demon-possessed and I have no hope. Well, that's not what the word of God says. I know that's the way you feel, and you can feel that way sometimes. But the word of God has to trump that, even if you don't feel it. And I, I, I won't go on at length about the suicidal ideation that was part of it, but it was every day. Every day it was there. Some days harder than others. I would have to call somebody or I'd call Roseanne or call Tony or call whoever I could call Liz or somebody and get through it. And I'd say, no, I will not die, but live and proclaim the works of my God. That is the truth. But, boy, you'd have to fight through it. You'd have to fight through it. And sometimes you need the body. Oh, if I could, the body is so important. We are so important to each other. And finally, God said to me in that moment, that 10-minute little time, he said, I have cleansed you from guilt and shame. And that's a whole other sermon in itself. But I tell you, it is. we are so often affected and controlled by unknown feelings of guilt and shame. We don't even know we're acting out in it. We don't know that it's controlling our self-perceptions. We don't know that it's controlling the way we see our future. And it was just a very important thing at that point for me to hear. So it was really beautiful that God brought that. And it's very interesting 
I later on was doing some more research on complex PTSD, which is different than just normal PTSD. But it said one of the most prevalent problems are deep feelings of guilt and shame. And I just chuckled when I read it. I said, you know, God just said to me three weeks ago, you know, I've cleansed you from guilt and shame. And, and that's something that you may know, but it's something we may have to learn. To know it is one thing. To learn it is another thing. To know it is it's a fact. To learn it, it's an experience. To learn that forgiveness. To learn that God has taken away your guilt and shame. Looking back at things and saying, oh, <laughs> no, leave it. Leave it. Looking back on things that were actually your fault and damage that you may have done. You know, leave it. Unless if there's an opportunity to correct and stuff like that and if there's a forgiveness or something, that's something else. But when it causes you to, to look at yourself in a pejorative way, in a negative way, and it, it makes you small in front of God, then you know that this is somewhere you, you shouldn't be. But that's a whole other thing. But for the prayers and the emails and the encouragements that have been sent, you just don't know how important uh, all of it was. I have a list in my computer called confirmations. It's everything everyone sent me. Every prayer, every little thing that happened, every little coincidence that happened that isn't a coincidence. Um, I have them all there and I go through them and I'll look through them. It's a journey. I'm still on it. But you know what? It's all going to freedom. It's all going to freedom. And that's what God wants to do. And finally, some scriptures, some very important scriptures that were spoken. But now, O Jacob, from Isaiah 43, listen to the Lord who created you. Now, this is speaking to you and to me as personal. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are God's. I am God's. It may feel like everything else is swinging us around their head, but the reality is, is that you are God. You are God's child. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. Knowing that God is with you does not necessarily mean that it's, you're not going to feel the, the struggle and the difficulty and the hardship of it. They were with, Jesus was with them in that boat too. But they were pretty scared in that boat. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. You will not. That's one of those things that you can take to the proverbial bank with God. You will not drown. You may feel like you're drowning, but you're not going to drown. God will send a whale if he has to. You know the story. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. They will not. This is where we have to believe and we have to hold on. And it's not easy. Man, it's not easy. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Another beautiful one, Isaiah 30 and 15. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. And then it says, in quietness and confidence is your strength. I don't know how many times 
I have been in a complete and utter panic. And I'm in front of God saying, I don't feel you, I don't see you, and I'm feeling all this strange stuff, and I, my mind is going crazy, and blah, blah, blah. And he just goes, in quietness and trust is your strength. So just quiet yourself and say, Father, I quiet all the voices. I quiet them all. I'm not going to shout scriptures at you, and I'm not going to throw promises at you and telling you what you should do. I'm just going to be quiet. And I'm going to trust what I have no understanding of. I'm going to trust, and that will be my strength. I have never said that where it has not given me strength. I have never said it where it has not calmed me, and it has not brought me back into a sense of, okay, 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 God, we can do this. And finally, Psalm 27, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. You don't know how many times I've said that in this 11 months. And it's the fact that, and the most that I've gotten from people praying, Cuba, out west people praying and fasting and stuff, and I know you guys praying, the most prevalent thing I got back was that God is with you. Jesus is with you. And when everything else seems like it is let go and it is just not making any sense, this much you know for sure. That God will hold you close. God will hold you close. And finally, when I was really struggling one day, uh, and, and it's, so, it's amazing, I called it my daily manna. I would wake up and there was, there's someone who sends me a prayer every morning. And, and often it would just so connect with the devotional, I have a little devotional book, you know, those things you can get, and it gives you a little talk and then three scriptures, how they would always come together. And I would call it my daily manna, that it would just be enough to get me through. Sometimes it would happen later in the day, something would happen, someone would say something. But the beautiful way that God supplies his daily manna. But someone sent me this, and it just so spoke to me, brought tears to me when I read it. it it's just a poem. Beloved is where we begin. And it says, if you would enter into the wilderness, do not begin without a blessing. Do not leave without hearing who you are. Beloved, named by the one who has traveled this path before you. So beautiful that Jesus has traveled it before you. Do not go without letting it echo in your ears. And if you find it is hard to let it into your heart, do not despair. That is what this journey is for. Oh, there's so much truth in that. Sometimes the truth and the love of God has to be pounded into our heart. Has to be like burned into our heart through the difficult things of life. I cannot promise this blessing will free you from danger, from fear, from hunger or thirst, from the scorching of sun or the fall of the night. But I can tell you, that on this path there will be help. I can tell you that on this way there will be rest. I can tell you that you will know the strange graces, that daily manna, that come to our aid only on a road such as this, that fly to meet us bearing comfort and strength, that come alongside us for no other cause than to lean themselves towards our ear like Jesus did that night when I was kneeling. It was so, it was so clear that he was right there and with their curious insistence, whisper our name, 
Beloved, beloved, beloved. So beautiful. You are God's beloved in whom he is well pleased. And not because you do a great deed or because you're prolific at something. Or no, no, no. It's because he loves you. He loves you and he loves me. It's just a given. If he can't stop it, you can't stop it. You can go. It says if I go to the farthest sea, he'll be there. If I make my bed in Hades, he's there. Wherever you are, God is with us. And it's something that, that uh, you know, I'm going through a particularly difficult time, but you've all had difficult times. You've all had struggles, and they're all, all leading us into a deeper, intimate, close relationship with God. So I just want to thank you so much for your prayers, so much for your care, your patience. I don't know what the next time is going to to bring I don't know we're going to continue having other people speak I'll speak other people will speak because I think it's healthy I think it's good for the body I don't know what God's going to do this journey is not over for me and uh, there are deep things yet to be worked at and looked at and understood but we're trusting that God is in the process and the first thing JB said to us that day he spoke here was I am in the midst with you Psalm 23 that in the middle of it all, there's a banqueting table. I've looked for that banqueting table quite a few times, <laughs> and it didn't seem to be there. But I knew that God, you know, I was only getting the appetizer. I was only getting a little bit of the appetizer. The meal is to come. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence here today. I thank you, Father, for what is nothing but a true blue miracle that I'm able to stand here today and that I'm able to, in any way, shape, or form, talk about the wonderful keeping that you have done in my life and that you are doing in all of our lives as we go through these pandemic situations and the, and the ever-changing world that we are living in. Thank you, Father, that we are your beloved, and you are a Father that will never leave us nor forsake us. And you call us to be strong and to be courageous and to wait patiently for the Lord, and that's what we do, to wait patiently for your word, for your direction, for your your hand to come and strengthen. Father, we thank you that you are faithful and we can trust in your unfailing love, as Psalm 13 says. So, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, did everyone see how nice the place looks? Dan? Thank you for that. Uh, Jerry, you were going to come to the microphone? showing that wall yeah. at the beginning yeah. um, I was looking at the wall and then uh, one of the mirrors made you see that shape down there yes that was his head mm. it was hollow like with the coin yeah and then I looked further and if you look in there you'll see it almost looks like an apparition of yeah. the Lord standing halfway yeah it through. does and he shows you that I am the way. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, it, um, it was so amazing. When I saw it, I just, Courtney sent me the text and said, you're not going to believe this, you know, the exact picture. But it is the way that it's through Christ that we are going to get through. And uh, I am the way and the life. 
So, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I have it on my bedroom wall so that when I turn to go to sleep, it's right there. And every night I just put my hand on it and I say, yes, yes. Yeah, you can see the, the head thing. I don't know if that's on purpose, but but I can, yeah, I see what you're seeing. Yeah. Um, any testimonies before we go? Anything anybody wants to say? Want to? I know a lot of people said stuff at the beginning. So it should be very soon that we'll be able to go ahead, uh, Willie. Well, you were uh, well, you were speaking when you first when you first started speaking about that little boy. Yeah. In a dark and a lifeless place, and immediately the Lord spoke Lodabar to me. Yeah. Lodabar. Do you know what Lodabar yeah. translated is? No. Land of no growth. Yeah. Everything is tumbleweed junction. Yeah. And there's nothing there. Yeah. That is a hallway, mm. an entranceway. Because when the Lord had done that, he reminded me how he took Mephibosheth from Lodabar mm. into yeah. the, the king's, king's table. table. And and then the Lord says, "This is a process, and you're in the midst of the process, yeah. and you already know the do not worry, because yeah. that's the world is worried. Yeah. Don't worry, yeah. you know what? And you can't get it by somebody say, oh, it's okay, and fix it okay, and give yeah. me a little pat on your back, and you're gonna <laughs> be okay because <laughs> no, that doesn't it's work. It's it's almost like a violent <laughs> rejection at that point yeah, because there's right. something here should tell me other than what I'm going through. That's right." And the second thing I saw was the first time that we had spoke, I saw a picture of a black dog. Mm. And the black dog came to me months later, I guess. And it was what Winston Churchill had spoken about when he went through severe depression. Mm. The black dog, the black dog. And then this morning I saw a black dog on the lease. Mm. Yeah. And the black dog on the lease, I believe in my heart, is this seeing being finally corralled mm. and moved away. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Willie. That's good. Yeah. It's Phil. You want to come to the microphone because so people can, so we can record it and sue you later. <laughs> Honestly, you have to be careful what you say because it's going out live. This is more of a, <laughs> this is more of a prayer request. I have a desire to work with orphans and young boys in Shoah Province, Alaska. Yeah. In fact, they don't grow up with this yeah. And so I'm talking to a brother God is leading you in this area or not. And he's led me to a certain scripture that I just ask in prayer. Sure. Because I want to be a father to the prodigal. Yeah. And to train up young boys and girls in the ways of the Lord and teach them at an early age how much God loves them. Yeah. And 
a light and a future that he has for them. So please pray for me. Yes. That if this is God's will for my life, it may even mean me going somewhere else. I, I don't know yeah. how difficult it is. But I'm asking your prayers to make sure that it is God's thing mm. for my life. Yes. Well, I can tell you what you just said is God's. I mean, God is looking for people to be fathers to the fatherless and mentors to those. If there had been one person, one person, I remember one person in my childhood who made me feel like I was a human being. And it was a grade four teacher. And all she, we, it was Halloween, and we knew where she lived. So we all got, a bunch of us went, and we went to her, her apartment, knocked on the door. She opened the door, and she saw me, and she said my name, and she laughed in this very approving kind of, because it was a crazy thing that I had on. And I said, she, she likes me. And when I talked about this in therapy with my psychologist, I broke down and started crying. She said, what's going on? I said, I don't know. I, I said, I just, I, and she said, Keith, you were seen. That's right. You were seen. You were approved. And it's the only time in my childhood I remember it happening. So what Bill is saying is what God wants. He wants kids that aren't being seen, that aren't being told that there's something that aren't being if just one person would have come along and just said Keith we're gonna I'm gonna take you and I'm gonna do something with you or I'm gonna you know it I want to tell you a story um, Myron Liz's son uh, how old is Myron Liz he's 11 well he's graduating going into junior school so they're giving out awards is it okay that I say this Liz um, and they're giving out awards. And he kind of thought he was going to get the athletic award because he's, he's so involved with, with sports and stuff. But it went to somebody else. And he said to Liz, he said this beautiful thing. He said, well, I'm just glad that this person was able to get something. Beautiful, right? So they're sitting there, but there's one more award to be given out, and it's called the Principal's Award. And it's for a child that... that exemplifies everything that's good. <laughs> they're kind, they work hard, they're good with other students, they, are, they care for their fellow student and classmates. Guess who got it? Myron. <laughs> right? And someone came to uh, Liz and said to her, she was a Christian, this woman was a Christian, and she said, she asked, I think she asked if, if you were a Christian, and she said, I knew that was a Christian child. And when Liz was talking, I should, should have let you give the testimony about it, Liz, but Liz said all the time in Sunday school, all that time in Sunday school, where you're training up these children how to be good according to God, and then on top of it, Myron is such good soil anyway, and he's got good parents, and you just say, there's what being a father to the fatherless or w and more so than that in just helping and speaking life and, and God's way into a child's life. And this is what it, it, it comes out as. Myron's going to take over the world. We're all going to be paying taxes to him at some point. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 
He's, he's 11 going on 21. But uh, anyone else? Go, George. We've got some time here. We're not in a hurry. Pastor, I just want to say that when you were preaching, God placed in my heart that going through things, he said, when you go through something, I'm with you. That it's a coming out the other side. Yes, that's right. And it's not always going to be the bed of roses or the that's laughter right. and the everything. No, he said, just remember, I am with you. Yes. And you're coming through and coming out. That's right. You know, God says in Jeremiah, he says, you know, that scripture, that famous scripture, that I know my plans for you and they are good for good, not for harm, that you would have a future and a hope, some translated pros prosperity. Well, that's the, that's the end. That's, that's the end. That's not the journey. And, you know, we, we say that scripture that God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Well, yeah, God may not have given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but our parents might have. The world might have. And just waving a scripture around as if it's some kind of like magic wand is not the way scripture is meant to work. And, and I'm learning this very, you know, I know we just want to say the promises and have them happen right away. And God's saying, no, there is a process to the promise. There's a journey to the destination. And we're on it. And, and I'm speaking to some pretty, some pretty tried and true soldiers of Christ who've been through the wars. Uh, so I'm not saying anything new. But we just can't take a scripture and just <laughs> and expect all of a sudden everything's going to come true. And it's really spiritual abuse. When, and you have to be very careful. We have to, as our denomination, especially in our, our the way we approach things, we have to be very careful that we don't just dump a bunch of scripture on somebody and then walk away and think, well, I've done my duty, and you've just made their load so heavy. And then you've then in going and telling them, oh, by the way, this is what you should be living. This is what you should have in your life. This is what God promises you. And if you had faith and if you believed and if you professed and all this stuff, and, and each time the person's just getting loaded down further and further, and you're killing them. It's spiritual abuse. And we have been guilty of it as a denomination, and we've got the casualties for it. That we don't have grace for people, especially mental health. I mean, when you go to emergency, I've been to emergency twice with this condition because it was so bad I couldn't control it. I could not need it help. And when you go to emergency, you've got on, on the hierarchy of what's important to them, You've got the things, and then the things, broken leg, and da, 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 and way down here somewhere is mental health. And then, you know what? In both cases, where the second time, and I, I'm being transparent with you, that it was, the suicidal stuff was very strong. We, I'm telling you, we have an enemy. We have an enemy. And they sat me down, gave me an Ativan, and sent me home. Gave a drug. And that's probably because there's nothing else they can really do. But thank God I had God. I'll tell you. Thank God I had God to come home to. Thank God there was somebody besides some doctor who was looking at their watch while they were talking to you. 
and to get you out the door. But we in the church, we need to be sensitive to people who are going through not only mental health, but all kinds of things, and just don't load a bunch of scripture on them. Some of the most beautiful stuff that was said to me was talking to someone, and they just looked at me, and they just said, I am so sorry you're going through that, and were silent, and just sat there with me. I'm crying, and they're just sitting there, and we're just, we're just mourning, just mourning it. And so, like, please, if I could say anything, if it's a scripture that you feel is, is something that God's really laying on your heart for them, then deliver it with compassion and say, I'm believing this for you. You don't have to believe this. I'm believing it for you, and I'm holding you up. The only reason I am here today is because you guys held me up. That's the only reason. It would, I'm not trying to be dramatic or to have a nice sermon end. It is the truth because I wasn't able to pray for so much of it. But that's where the body comes in. And they come alongside and say, you know, I was thinking last night, I got a picture of something and they'd send it to you and there it is, beautiful. And it gets you through. So, anyway, thank you. Are we ready to pray? I think we are. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your truth. I thank you for this family. I thank you that we are a family of faith. And that, Father God, we are going to take care of each other. And we'll continue to take care of each other. And we just ask Holy Spirit to continue to guide our steps. And to bring us into all it is that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.